Like when you ask somebody in the morning how their day is and he just answers another day closer to the parade, like, you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah, oh, sweet, we're going that way. Right on, man. Sign me up. I'm in. Welcome back to the Compound Podcast presented by Parse Rum. Yes, I did say presented by Parse Rum, the best sponsor in the world. When I say Parse, you say rum. Parse. Rum. Parse. Rum. Zach, come on. Rum. I said it. Rum. Rum. <laughs> rum. I love Parse. You love Parse. Welcome back to rum. the Compound Podcast. We have a very special episode with former Chicago Cub, Ryan Dempster, current off the mound host on the Marquee Network. Demp is absolutely fantastic and we love him. One of the funnier baseball personalities out there. I had never talked to him that much, and I didn't realize he was that hilarious, to be honest. Dakota, do you remember a few years ago in spring training, he talked to us one day? It was He just had like his own thing. We were just like, who is this guy? Like, I know who Ryan Dempster is, whatever. And I remember we were just like dying laughing the whole time. I mean, like he said how he's from Canada, like did all these things. And I was just like, this guy's hilarious. The best part was he was talking about uh, Rowan. And how he loves Rowan. And then, like, the more he talked, I was like, these two literally seem like the exact same person. Same guy. Same as Daywise, too. If you talk. And, he, and he'd talk about – Demp was talking about how he gets pissed, and he'd, like, have to freak out. And I'm like, I mean, that seems just like Rowan. Like, there's just a little psycho in there, you know? Like, it's in there, down deep. There's a little psycho. A little nice guy, Canadian psycho? Yes. Demp, as a teammate, was probably the absolute best. I mean, just funny every single day. There's, but not afraid to get in your ass if you needed to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. guys out there who are destined to make like to bring a team together like that, and he's he's one of them. Mm-hmm. I think they had so many guys on that Boston team that were destined to bring guys together. That's why they, every time we talk to somebody about that team, it's like, yeah. Uh, they literally, you ask them about it, and they take a step back. They're like, oh, that team. It sounded like there was literally like five or six guys that you could define as like glue guys. Like absolutely, but, but obviously still good players. But they was yeah. just like these guys bring a clubhouse together. One hundred percent. That was before, obviously, like social media. I mean, kind of like as it was getting bigger, yeah. but like nothing to where it is now. And like you could do whatever you wanted, you know. And it was just like and reporting. Reporting wasn't on social media as much as it is now. Like the you weren't getting your news from writers on social media. You right. weren't refreshing your boy Jeff Passon's page to see what's happening. JP. Right. Zach, also in the interview, just before people listen, little little Rossi, uh, Demp was like, yo, did you guys listen to any of my episodes? And you were like, yeah, so a little bit with Rossi. He's not your manager anymore. You don't have to like suck up to him. You don't have to watch his shows. Yeah. It was on my Twitter. Hey, he never was technically my manager. Oh, spring training doesn't count? You didn't care about those games? He was your manager. I wasn't invited to summer camp, so I really wasn't my You want to know who my manager is? Marty Peavy. Ever heard of him? Interesting. I thought Hap was going to get some kudos, but no, he didn't. So that's why I wanted to listen. That was awkward. He goes, he asked if I had watched any of it. I was like, uh, no. You should have said, you should have said, I don't get Marquee, man. Sorry. Oh, I should have. I should have been like, yeah, sorry, I would. But like Marquee's not free and I can't afford it. I'm a minor leaguer. We need to say who the uh, winner of, of T-shirt Tuesday was. And T-shirt Tuesday, Taylor D. Pressy at Taylor D. Pressy. Presley, 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 and she is getting assigned large. These people are thinking that it's signed from Dakota and I as well, and that's why. Yeah, 
they probably get it and they're like, oh, it's just Ian. Well, you know what? I might actually pick a different shirt now. Is right. it too late? They probably just throw it in the garbage. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I mean, sorry. Did I mention that uh, this episode is sponsored by Parse Rum? You did. You did yeah. earlier. Yes. yes. Parse. Don't make me do it again. Rum. Yeah. <laughs> Are you drinking out of a Padres cup? Oh. He, he had a Mariner's cup. Oh, he's got it. It's, oh, no. it's both. Oh, no. You're a Tiger, man. Come on. Come on. I'm a baseball fan. Go, Tigers. You're a Detroit Tiger. Let's talk to Demp, and then after we talk to Demp, we'll talk a little bit about the Masters before we go. Here's Ryan Dempster. Demp, I think we should start out. Yeah. By the way, to all the listeners, we have Ryan Dempster joining the yeah. compound. Demp, thanks so much for coming yeah. on. God, thank you. When I asked you to come on, you called me and we had a nice conversation about golf the other day. And then you went out and fired a crazy good score. It was fun. Yeah, I fired up a 74. Yeah, 75, 74, 74. And it was fun because I triple bogeyed number nine. Jeez. Yeah. What did you say? You hit like 16 greens? Uh, I counted them 14 greens. 14. Wow. Yeah, you don't get that. I mean, those guys watching guys on TV, they do that all the time. But as an amateur golfer, when you get going like that, it's it's like, oh, yeah, I can play with the big boys until you play your next round. And then it's like, no. <laughs> Demp, you're a wonderful ball striker. You and Shorty would have fun playing together because you both, you're really good ball strikers. Zach, what, what's your, uh, are you a righty or a lefty? Yeah, I'm a righty. Oh, nice. Yeah. I wish I was lefty. Lefty swings are so pure. Really? Did you? When, how many lefties have you played with that are like a really pair? My brother, my brother has a sick lefty swing. Yeah, uh, unless, that might be why. Best left-handed swings on tour. Let's go right now. I'm going number one. I mean, Mike, you gotta, go, you gotta go, Phil. Mike Weir. Phil for, Mike Weir. Yeah, well, he's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, good point. Speaking of Masters, he just won the. He well, he, he didn't just win the Masters. Congratulations. <laughs> he won the Masters, but Mike Weir, he played well. He made the cut. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. And Bernard Langer made the cut at how about that? Sixty-four. Didn't they say his average drive was like two forty-five or something like that? Yeah. yeah, so fit, man. What a champ! Walking those hills every day, like that's that's sick. Demp, as a uh, Canadian Hall of Famer, do you feel like you have to root for all other Canadians all the time? Um, not all other Canadians. Only certain, yeah, like certain ones. A lot of time, yeah, I would say probably ninety percent. So is so are you a big Rowan Wick guy? Oh yeah, <laughs> gotta be. Yeah, I think is we he, all are, no matter where he's from. Yeah, that's he's true. Is he is he your favorite cub? Current current roster right now? Yeah. No. Rizzo, Rizzo for sure. Well, Rizzo's everybody's favorite cub. Yeah, but Dude, Wick's, Rizzo. Wick's pulling in. You know, it's good. Little little shout out to Riz for doing his uh, walk off for cancer today in the midst of the COVID still raising money for the kids, but he's got to get better at walking his dog. You know, you pick your dog up. If the dog's out, he's got to do the full walk too. Yeah. You know, Kevin's got to get out there. He can't be scared of leaves. We, we need Kevin. I know he's got short legs. I know he drowns in those pile of leaves, but we got to get him going. Yeah. Play in the leaves, run around the leaves, kick the leaves. Tim, tell us a little bit about off the mound and how that, how that started and then how it's been going. Cause Marquis picked it up, and it's been so much fun to watch. Thanks. Um, Dakota, you like it? Have you seen it? I have not seen it. I'll, I'll email it to you. I'll email you some links. Okay. 
or you can just go to the marquee. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll do that too. Um, yeah, it was just it was Zach. Have you seen it at all? I actually watched the the snippet with Rossi the other day. Oh, okay. You watch any of the old ones at all, like last season? I have not. No. Yeah, there's some good ones in there. Like Sean Casey's great. It's just fun. I, listen, like playing in my career, I you know love baseball. I I love it. It was just like to be able to do it for that long and. Um, but it's also your job. So when you're out there, it's not always funny and laughing. But the rest of the time, for me, it was. And I connected with teammates that way. So all those fun stories are, you know, just things I love. Locker rooms and bus rides and hotel rooms and dinners and the times away from the field that there's no pressure on us to do anything but just be with. We're with each other every day anyways. It's a grind 162, right? Plus spring training. Like, I love my brother, but to spend that many days in a row with him, I'm going to be like, dude, I need a break. No, you weren't invited to dinner. Sorry. <laughs> you can't spend 200 days with anybody. It doesn't matter how much you like them. Like, 200 days in a row with the same people at some point. Well, yeah. that's – me and Zach live together usually during – well, not anymore. Now he's with the Tigers. But we would live together at home, and we would be road roommates. And I, I think we both agree we'd get sick of each other at times. August and September, be like, all right, Dakota, see you later. Yes, yeah, we've had enough. <laughs> but then a week after he's gone, you're like, oh, where is he? Man? Yeah, where exactly. Is he? And now he's gone forever. So I'm like, well, now I wish I had those days back. <laughs> Thanks, Dakota. <laughs> so I just, I just, I love that. And then getting into TV and doing that, like, you know, from that, that was kind of always my role, not my role or whatever. I chose it to be my role on teams to try and bring teams together and, you know, roll into a, a city at 3 a.m. and take the microphone and just give a tour of the city as we pull in and um, and then get guys interacting and, and doing that. So when I got done playing, I, I always dreamt about that, like doing that and showing the personal side of the player, man. We get so caught up in what happens between the white lines that we have a misconception of who people are because they went over four and my fantasy team lost, you know, like <laughs> I love showing that side and seeing highlighting those players and, you know, showing the great work that Ian does with his work away from the field and his foundation and wanting to help. And that to me is fun. And then the meantime, just act like an idiot. And yeah, it's a blast. That's one of the reasons that we started doing this was because you see your teammates and you have those connections with these guys and you, you know that they don't get painted properly in the media all the time. And just to give that platform to be able to talk to guys openly and, and have them share who they are. But it has to be because when I first saw your off the mound, it was either at CubsCon or the one that you did at the VIG with um, with Case and, and those guys. And it's like okay, when you have a live audience, it has to be so because you can feed off them and you get the laughs and you're playing off the live audience all the time, and especially when they're humongous Cubs fans. So everything you say about the Cubs is hilarious to them. But it has to be different when you're doing it in a studio without that reaction, right? Yeah, for sure. Like I, it's, it's a different aspect. I, I like it from the ability to be able to try and like – hone in on interviewing guys and how to ask questions. Like if you're, it's a lot and, and not even, it's not even an interview. That's, it's a conversation and and that's all it is. And talk about things that, you know, went on in guys' careers so that when we get to, I love the live studio aspect of it. I love that feeling. I love having a live audience. You know, to me, stand up comedy is a huge thing for me. So to have that, I love seeing people. I know how fun it is to be in the audience when you're there and, you know, something's funny or somebody tells a funny story and you feel that emotion. I live for that. I, I go with my, I started going with my dad when I was in my teens and 
you know, going to clubs all over the, you know, cities I would go to and sort of try and give that back in a baseball side is, is a lot of fun. And, you know, doing it this way is, uh, is different, but I, I, I look forward to getting back to that day. It's, and it's been an underused platform in baseball, I think. Just, I'm sure you felt it when you were playing, right? Like the personality was always so suppressed. It's been something that we as players, like sometimes for better or for worse, guys' personalities are coming out more in the game and it's, it's healthy for baseball because people get to see guys as more than just the object on the field, the zoo animal, as Rizzo often refers to it. It really is. It's important. Like, you know, when I came up, it was, well, I, it was twofold. I came up in a, in a generation where it was, hey, you know, rookies, you guys like sit and sit there, keep your ears open and your mouth shut and we'll play baseball. You know, and there was a lot of aspects about that that were really good and really healthy um, when approached in the right way. Like you have to respect the people who are doing it and know how hard it is. And, and, and in return, they're just trying to teach you how to do that. Right. Ultimately, some guys show it differently. Um, some guys show it by leading. Some guys show it by putting it in different words. And some guy, even though they're hard, you know, they're a hard ass like a John Lackey, man, you, that guy loves more than anybody. And like, he's just preparing you as a teammate and as a young guy to like, this is what it's going to take. And I'm not going to be easy on you. And the beer is on me. Dinner's on me. Let's go throw a bullpen. Let's, let's play catch. Let's do this. And let's sit on the bench and talk about pitching. And I think that nowadays when you're able to be yourself a little bit more and guys be more accepting about that, just in life in general is really, really awesome, you know, but don't be late, you know, like, John Lester can be late. Like Ian Happ can't be late. Yeah. Exactly. You can't be late, you know. John can just be late because of whatever reason it is, you know. He's put that time in, but you earn that time and at the same time be yourself, man. Dakota, wasn't uh wasn't Lester late this year? It was our it was our very first pitcher meeting of camp and he like missed it because he forgot we even had it. And Rossi's like, What the fuck? He's like, What are we doing? It's the first one of the year. <laughs> and it was just kind of like a joke. It was like, oh, it's Lester. Like, it's not a big deal. John, yeah. John actually had to like go in and apologize to and be like, I'm sorry. Like, seriously, I just completely missed that one. It's a bad yeah. example. I didn't. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> it was the first yeah. one of the year too. It was a t- tough start, but he bounced back. Not to uh, bring it back to golf, but like you know, seeing the player's personality. You know, like yeah, I hate talking about golf. Yeah, <laughs> you play it back in your stance. Do you play a draw? Or are you like a little cut guy? Don't tell uh, me that means you slice the ball. Now, when I'm good, I'm working it both ways, but I've been struggling, and yeah, no, well, <laughs> well that, that, that doesn't happen very often. Now. I'm getting like four aside. Yeah, right. That's what Ian's given. Back to uh, like the the players' personalities. You know, like Dustin Johnson is cold hearted guy on the course, and then I don't know if you guys saw his speech after the after he won today. He like couldn't speak. You know, like, and, you know, especially golfers, they don't have a platform, you know, how, how baseball guys do or basketball guys do. And I would have thought after he won, he'd be like, yeah, you know, on to the next one. But like, he literally had a tough time putting sentences together. And it was cool to see something like that. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. I think sometimes it's really hard keeping it all bottled up inside for him to finally, like, he just won the masters in 2020. Like people talk about all the season things and, and, uh, different time of the year no fans yada 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 there's to the athlete to the person performing there's still the same thing you still want to win as much and sure you can feed off of emotion but at the end of the day to have the discipline to contain all that and just go out there and play your game like he did and man 
like in this year in 2020, dude, guys, 2020 is no joke. Like mm-hmm. it's hard on everybody in multiple different ways. And to just have that emotion of, I, I'm guessing like, as I don't know, I've never asked him this question. Maybe it's been answered, but I'm sure that winning the masters is probably as prestigious as you can get. And I'm sure whether he voiced it or not, it was something he always really wanted to do. And for him to do that, man, and, and to do it in this year and wow, special stuff. So good, good for him, man. Let it out. It's okay, man. Crying, crying's healthy. Emotions yeah, are absolutely. It was the hardest mentally just, we, I mean, we only played 60 games. They played pretty much a full schedule once they got going again. Like it was the hardest thing mentally to get through just not being able to see your family, not being able to go out to eat, not being able to be a normal person. Like the, I'm sure for them too, same thing. Like they just, they couldn't do anything in between starts and to win the lat, like what is their last tournament of the year at, as the masters temp, you have a pretty good master story. You went to when, what year did you go to Augusta? Uh, two years ago. So 20, was that 2018? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that how was, was how was that as a patron? One of one of the many patrons. Best sporting event I've ever been to, uh, you know, right next to the World Series. You know, for like just like how incredible it was to just be in there. There's no phones. You know, sandwiches are two bucks. The line to go to the bathroom could be a hundred people deep, and you're, you're through there like they're just scouting them out. Six down on the left, two down on the right, three up here. Like it's. Just, Oh, the best like maneuvering traffic I've ever seen. And as somebody with a small bladder, like to have to navigate that, making your way through. Oh, and there's a nice fresh ice cold beer on the way out. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll take one of those and two for my buddies. Thanks. You know, and then we would park our um, our our chairs. We had chairs, and we just put them at Amen Corner and put a little business card in them and. Then see you later. And then those would be there. And people, that's how they worked it. And then you'd sit down in somebody's chair and they walk up and they're like, oh, you're my seat. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks for the seat today. And you go find another one that's empty and you walk around. And the casualty, uh, the casual way of all of it, and um, yet prestigious and amazing and uh, was really cool. So um, with that, the story that I was talking about, story I got long-winded because it's awesome for anybody who ever has ever, have you guys been at all? I have not. Is, love to. Is it as beautiful as it looks on TV? Like what's when you see it on TV, especially without fans, it looks so open and just massive and the elevation change. I felt like I could see the elevation change more this year than ever before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they did a good job of like bringing that to the fan because everybody talks about it. And you know, we're trying to get more in touch with the viewer, right? So for them to see it like that and show some of those camera angles like on number three when everybody sees this hole and you're like how do you see all these guys make bogey on this easy little par four and then you realize that if they like leave themselves on the front apron and it zips down and you got this like chip shot that you can maybe hopefully you can see the flag especially and, where they had the pin today too over on the left yeah just impossible to get to yeah and then so then you've got to make the option and the the shot idea of like do i pinch this and like check it up or do i flop it and if i leave it short i'm screwed again if i go past it yeah, that's like that's not good for my short game no that's i'm pod, how can i, pod, can I get, <laughs> look at my caddy can i get putter up here <laughs> i was gonna keep it on the ground let me bump a driver <laughs> then fine i'll bump and run it but so we go we go i went with uh some good friends with tito's and we we went down there and uh, I, I did a segment for MLB Network called Donuts with Demp. And every Friday we do this. Now I'm at the Masters on Friday. So I had this idea that 
um, this character Ian McGregor from UK Sports would come and um, he would do a little segment out in front of the gates of the Masters. And we did it from my phone and uh, our buddy Johnny Stark, this this dude, didn't look like Rich Beam, but he was the closest guy in our group that looked like Rich Beam. So we got him to walk by and there was fans and we're doing the little hit and I'm just calling him over like, you know, you know hey, there's PGA Champion, Rich Beam, Rich, come on over. We go to UK Sports. Sitting there, we're just like, you know, jibber jabbering. Well, I got like a green stick, like pro green sport coat, pinstripe with some blue in it. And it's sharp, right? Really sharp. And then I got a wig, like this awesome, like flowing, just sick flowing red, reddish auburn wig. And then I got glass aviators on. And I was like, I'm not going to walk all the way back and put my phone back at the check-in station. I'm just going to turn it off and I'm not going to turn it on. And I'm just going to go in and as Ian McGregor. So I just went in and like, dude, I had like private security for holes. It was awesome. Like nobody was going to walk. I had like so many security guards following me around because they're like, who's this dude? Come on. What's going on? Who's it? Hey, you guys see him? Yeah, he's on two. He's behind two green. Like, like I didn't see them over in their corner with their little earpieces. You guys, you know? like, they thought you were just going to across the fairway or something. Yeah. And so it was so funny. And then at one point, this was really great, was we're on the second green and behind the green. And I'm sitting there and this lady comes up to talk to me. I shouldn't say lady, young, young woman. And it's Pat Burrell's wife. And so she just comes up to me. She says, sir, you have amazing hair. And I was like, oh, thank you, boo. And then she just kind of double taked at me like, what? What'd you say? And then she walked away and she started going over and started talking to Pat. And then Pat came walking over and he's like looking at me. And he's like, please tell me that's you. <laughs> that's so good. All day. I was Daniel Day-Lewis. I method act. Ian McGregor ordering my beers, going to the bathroom. I never got out of character. You said until, like, until you got back to the cabin you were staying at. And then you finally okay. were like. Yeah, like I finally we were back at the second beautiful place that we would go have drinks beforehand, and then we were in the back, and I still had it on, I was still rocking it, and like finally I was just wig off aviators. I'm like, oh, guys, your day. That sounds like a hell of a day, though. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I remember walking up eight, and Rory McIlroy was walking up. He just hit his drive, and he was walking up to his drive bomb, and he like glanced over, and then he double takes, and then he like. Caddy, and he's like, "Hey, dude!" And I just gave him one of these, you know. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> oh. That's got to be one of the best, like, patron stories. I'm. I wonder if the security hey, guards. Me too. Yeah, sorry. I wonder if the security guards are still like telling people about that. Like this one time, <laughs> we just followed around this guy. Oh man, yeah, that was fun. That was a really fun time. Damn. Tell yeah. me about the Red Sox playing with. All those dudes on that team in 13, how special was that? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I feel it, like well, I feel like because I've played with enough guys and been around enough guys that were on that team just through the Cubs connection that every story I hear about that team is just nothing but legendary. And we got more this year with, with Nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, like it started early. Like we were – Guys who played with each other or against each other around the league for years. Um, some guys we didn't play with all, but we knew, right? Like, I never played with Lack or against Lack. But 
is John Lackey. And we've kind of same timeline and we knew each other that way. And then, so spring training started and we just kind of had a good feel. We had a lot of mix of that and guys like Victorino and um, obviously Rossi and Johnny Gomes. And Johnny Gomes was like a huge blue part to that, like early on, like he just nailed it right away. Like when you ask somebody in the morning how their day is and he just answers another day closer to the parade, like, you know, like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, oh, sweet. We're going that way. Right on, man. Sign me up. I'm in. Yep. Like in, like in spring training? First day of pitcher, uh, not pitcher, when full full workout. So the whole team was there. And that was just like, and then he just like grabbed his bat and went like out to the training room. And- if somebody does that, I mean, obviously if they do it enough times, you start to believe it. Like the first time, are you like, all right, relax. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Like. Hey man, you're going to fail for sure, but like you're also going to succeed a whole bunch. And then there's this like middle ground that you have to try and make up, right? There's the middle point. Like as a starting pitcher, you you would make thirty. Let's just say we're making thirty-two starts, just to keep it even numbers, right? So you're going to have four, three to four clunkers. And you're going to have three to four that I can just throw my glove out and we win. Like we're just going to have those days where it's this guy I won. You know, oh I won today. Like pitch three in, you're like oh we won. And then, and then you're going to have this middle ground that you got to make up and some of those are going to be really easy too and some of them are going to be a grind and for different ways the same way as a team you're going to go through that so when you can figure out a way to just trust each other and believe in each other and then we you know we had i mean we had a moment that kind of really bonded us like here we were on this trajectory of like we're we're really good teammates oh man we're having a team dinner or we're having a blast like we're having fun like yankee stadium was great like ha 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 Everything's good. Bomb the city. And we were like, whoa, who who wants to fuck with us right now? Not just not just a group of ball players, but an entire little, you know, corner of the northeast saying like we got each other's backs. And it was it was just incredibly bonding. When we went to dinner in, in Cleveland, after that happened, I pitched that day that, that that happened. And we left we left the ballpark. We'd always get this police escort that would take us out, all the guys on their on their uh, the cops on their bikes. Take us out to the airport. You know, Boston's a tight little city. And we got on the bus and we started hearing about like some sort of possible bombing. And we didn't really know anything about it. Like, you know, social media world wasn't blowing up like it is now. Couldn't get it that fast, but we were still getting it pretty quick. And all of a sudden, these guys just left and they were gone. And then we went to the airport and it was just like, you know, like stuff on. It was the fastest I ever got on a plane. And boom, we were gone to Cleveland. And we just kind of said, hey, team dinner, you know, like. And it was like everybody showed up. I think maybe like the next Dubron, I think was starting the next day, starting pitcher the next day. Just that was the only, but like, I think he might even came to dinner and then left. And it was just like everybody's like, okay, let's do our part. Let's do our part. Let's stick together. Let's help everybody. And then after they caught him, then it was like, really, let's do our part. And we just, it was amazing. You talk about talking something into into existence. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, it felt like just the stories that it the story was already written. Like that like that mantra that went around, like the story's already written, boys. We just gotta show up. It's like that for me was the coolest thing I've ever heard from day one. And I know Riz loves the uh getting the shirts made before the all star break even. Like he <laughs> loves that. I got a greater story of that you wanna hear a really funny like talking something to his existence. So we had this meeting in uh in in tampa bay a a players only meeting and we just made it a players only meeting and we just you know had coaches like tori lavello our bench coach was like hey what's the what's the meeting about and i was like oh well it's funny it's a players only meeting tori (laughs) 
so if we if we have a coaches and players meeting, we'll we'll let you know. <laughs> and he's just like, would you go talk to your manager then? So then I go into John's office, and John's like, and this is like May, middle of May, end of May, right? Like three weeks into May. And Coach Farrell's like, uh, hey, um, what's this meeting about? And I was like, playoff shares. <laughs> three weeks into May, like you do that September after you pinched, and he was like, what? I go, don't worry, we're going to vote you a full share. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, and it was just like we were just that confident. And, it, and it, at times, for sure, it was arrogant, but we didn't care. We just were bound and determined to to beat you. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really, really fun to be around. And then when you go out there and back it up, it makes it even cooler, too, obviously. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it makes the story way better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, the belief in backing it up, Dakota, like that's how yeah. we – like we believed we were going to do it. I I was challenging you, like like you know, go seven innings and then look at like Lester and be like, oh, dude, you got to go eight now. <laughs> I gave three guys a day off. Like you better you better go get somebody a day off. Yeah, you know, like that's that's the fun pushing each other as teammates and getting the best out of each other and then understanding and being there for them. Yeah, when they succeed, cool, you know. But like when they fail, you're there for them, right? Pick them mm-hmm. up. Yeah, that's hundred percent. Yeah. If you're not having obvious shirts make you guys championship shirts, they want a spring training, you're failing. <laughs> I, it just, it's such an incredible move. It's such an incredible move. I Honestly, I feel like with the coverage that we get on social media now and with all the media channels, doing something like that would be – would, you would need a group of guys that didn't give a fuck to such an extent – that when it blew up on social media and when everybody got asked questions about it, that everybody in unison could just be like, just stone cold, no laughing. But like, yeah, it's not a joke. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. You got to, you got to truly believe it. It's not like just like slapdick about it. Like, Oh yeah. Like we're going to, like, you got to really be like, no, like we're actually going to win the world series. Like it's not a joke. It's real. (laughs) Or if you're going to say it, if you're going to say it, then you got to go out there and do your part. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Or at least some of the time, like you know, yeah. <laughs> there were plenty of times I didn't do my part. You know, still remember snapping when I gave up those hits to Kawasaki and Bonifacio all day, and we were cruising through smoke and Batista, but I can't get these guys out. And, yeah, <laughs> I didn't do my part that day. I didn't do my part. Demp, were you a snapper? I was. We flop, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, do you have like a best snap story you could tell us? <laughs> Uh, I got a really good one. So I, I did, that was like, I, I had a tough time with that. I don't know anything up that like anger or something, whatever it was, but if I had a tough game and a, a tough moment sometimes in a game where I just would kind of go down the tunnel and have my way and we were in Pittsburgh and I was really having a tough time. It was, a, it was a tough year. I was battling through injury too and not, not pitching very well. And I went down into the, into the, uh, hitting cage area there in the dugout. And uh, there's a sink that that's on the wall there. It was this, it's at least the second sink. I know that. Um, so I was so mad. And I closed the door and I just took a bat. I just started whacking away on this thing. Like, just like, boom, boom, back and forth. And I'm just like, Choo! and it kind of like comes off like halfway and it's just swinging like this. And I'm just like, I just take one more whack and I whack through it and I knock the pipe off and the water shoots me directly at the forehead. Like just like <laughs> the forehead, it's just like all over my face. I'm like <laughs> I'm just sitting there and I just like, 
Newport, man. I didn't move. I'm just like, just pelting me. I'm just like, yeah. I this is mine. I got to own this right now. That sounds no. like something out of a movie. This is, so good. This, is, this is better. So now I'm I'm getting married and I'm on my uh, bachelor party. And we're taking a bus from Vancouver to Las Vegas, Nevada. And I got 13 people on this bus. And my, you know, my best man and my my brothers, and my dad and my uncle and all these people. And we have this drive on the bus and they present me with these this present. Uh, and I open it up and it's somebody, they found it on eBay, all the sink parts. And my buddies bought them off of eBay. Yeah, and gave it to me in a frame case with like part of the bat, part of the sink. It was really awesome. Absolutely incredible. That's unbelievable. Speaking of freak out stories, um, I was listening to part of my take when you went on and you talked about the, uh, the Jim Leland story. Yeah. And I thought the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life is, I, I don't know what, I don't know where it was when he came back and said he's going to call the cops on you guys. For ha- having us arrested for impersonate major league baseball players. <laughs> <laughs> the whole story, the way he brought it up was the funniest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. and the thing was, was like, you remember how I was saying earlier on, like, you know, sometimes there's times as a rookie, you just need to like just stay quiet and do your job and like watch what the pros are doing, the guys that have been doing it. Watch what they're doing. Watch how or or listening to the rep down if they tell you to do it, you know, even if they're not doing it themselves. He he just he was he was like really good about you got to You got to got to get better. You got to get better than that if you're going to want to keep playing here. And uh, and I really appreciated that because I'm not there for I don't need anything sugar coated. Right. Like I need to know what I need to do. and. If that means a kick in the ass every once in a while, that's okay. Like I remember in in uh, Montreal, nineteen ninety eight, pitching against the Expos, three to nothing. Uh, I walked the eight and nine guy, I believe it was. I think it was the eight hole hitter and the nine hole hitter, two out, winning winning three to nothing. And he came out to the mound and he's pulled me. I ain't giving up any runs yet or anything. Two out, and he's just like, "All right, give me the ball." I was like, "Oh, all right." And then nothing, crickets, right? Like I went to, I'm just like that. And then Rich Doobie's my pitching coach. He's like, man, you can't be walking number eight and nine to get to the get to the leadoff guy. I mean, you're not going to be pitching here very long. You keep doing that right? from like Boston. And then it, so then I'm like, yeah, I, okay, I got you. I figure, and that's why I got pulled. And you know, and so I'm just sitting there. So the next day I go out to go running, and I'm running in the outfield at Olympic Stadium, doing laps and. Um, I come back to the bench and, and Leland's out just smoking a heater and he just looks over and he goes, you sure yanked your ass in a hurry yesterday, huh? <laughs> no, he's like caught off guard. I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, maybe just throwing it over the plate. You'll probably get better results. <laughs> Walked away. And he was like, you know, and then he just said, you'll get it. And then he was nice. He was like, you'll get him next time. You know, go get him next time. You better. You know, and it, was great. it was great, man. It was so great. Man, this is awesome, man. I don't smoke, but like, like, <laughs> manager and he's just you know, man you know like i don't know it was something very 50s about it it was cool that funny story when i was like 10 years old i was throwing down a tournament in uh the cal ripkin thing and i was pitching and i was struggling whatever for like two or three innings and i was like you know what fuck it i'm doing the ryan dempster glove thing when i throw shove for the next three innings like the next three years i threw i did the old the glove waggle as i was throwing i was convinced that was the reason why i was throwing well and, and you and you switch because because why? Great question. People, there is a lot of kids out there imitating you. With the glove wiggle? Yeah, that's awesome. I, th- I think I, I do think it's awesome. But you just didn't want to pitch anymore? 
Uh, no, no, my arm would not be able to handle that. Yeah. Dakota, what's the what's the chances that you try the uh, Ryan Dempster glove wiggle next spring training? I'll try anything if it gets me some outs. <laughs> I'll do just about anything. Yeah, I don't throw out of the stretch, though, or I only throw out of the stretch, and I feel like it's more of a wind-up thing, so I don't know why do you work that in. throw out of the stretch? I want to know just because I'm a reliever, I don't know. I figure when you come in a lot of times with guys on base, just be prepared for that at all times and make it a lot simpler. It's only yeah. have to worry about one thing. Yeah, I hear you. Did you throw out of the windup when you were closing? You should throw out of the windup this offseason while you're working out for a while. Yeah, I would do that. I did it. Uh, I used to throw out of the windup sometimes in college. You could pitch seven, eight innings a, a night in the show. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Did you still throw out of the windup when you were closing down? Uh, no, I, as a reliever, I would just do the same thing. That was Canadian Hall of Famer, the Ryan Dempster, Zach's eating a chip. Ian, how'd you learn that he's a Canadian Hall of Famer? Uh, Dakota, I was really hoping that you would jump in when he was talking about Canada, and you just didn't. Well, when you stole it, I texted Zach while we were in the interview and said, Ian asked me if I had any questions beforehand. I told him what I was going to say. He stole it, and then I was done. You didn't jump. First of all, you didn't jump in quick enough. You stole it. by you, You used it in a... So as a Canadian, you didn't even ask about it. You just like Dakota, called him it. Dakota won nothing, Ian. That was rude. You didn't even ask anything about it. You just like, oh, like, like we're talking a Canadian Hall of Famer, and like just yeah. rolled right by it. I was like, I was going to use it in like a conversation. If he texted me on the side, he was upset. That was rude. I wasn't <laughs> upset. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Like he asked me if I had any questions before we started the interview. I told him, and then he wrote it down and stole it. Well, Bad etiquette. Poor interviewer etiquette. That was rude. Ian, care to comment? Homework, and you literally just copied off them because you didn't do your homework. That's right. That's literally what happened. Dakota spent all weekend doing his homework that you scheduled on Friday, and you said, I'm not doing it. You came into class five minutes before the bell rings and copied mine down. Yeah. Why don't you guys stop texting each other during the interview? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. That's not how this works. You don't get to flip this on us. Ridiculous. It was a great interview, though. Okay, let's let's move on. We'll we'll let it slide this time, Ian. Okay. I just Your next guest because just ask, hey, what are you going to bring up? Oh, I can't. I'm going to steal. I'm going to I'm going to roll. I'm going to control the interview next time, like Ian does. I'm just going to take over and not let Ian talk. That's what I'm going to do. Can we talk about DJ winning the Masters, please? Yes, we can. We can talk about. It. Hey, I I also wanted to say to Demp when he said he hit 14 of 18 greens in regulation, which is very impressive. I think I don't know how many holes that is or what hole he was on today. But they said that DJ had hit 57 of 64 greens and regulations at one point today. And I was like, pardon me? Bro, what? he put a clinic on for every aspect of the game of golf. Every aspect of it. He went 20 under. It was a record. Uh, Cam Smith was the first guy to shoot four rounds in the 60s. And he lost by five. By five. Smoked. Zach, what you were saying about like DJ being so chill, though. If the no crowds benefit anyone, it's someone like him that's like laid back at all. Like he doesn't really ride off the crowds and like Rory Rory plays for the crowds. Like Rory wants the crowds going nuts. Patrick Reed wants the crowds going nuts. Tiger, obviously. But like DJ's just like calm, cool, collected at all times. And he's just like, I'm just gonna go out there and shoot a sixty five and it it's Bro, easy. 
that interview was the craziest thing. Like I didn't think he had that in his body. No, I didn't think he, I didn't think he had emotions like that. And honestly, it was nice to see like how much he cares because like a guy like that with the he's just so even. It's like well, does he even enjoy winning? Like I don't know. Like he said, he was like, yeah, you know, like my brother started crying. That choked me up on the green. And I was like, oh, that's nice, whatever. And then the second interview when he came back out. He literally couldn't speak, and I was like, "This is awesome! This is literally incredible! This is a completely different person than anybody, unless you obviously know the guy." But like, I literally would have thought he'd be like, "Yeah, it was cool." Well, I think it's another one of those like he's obviously a top. I mean, he's number one in the world right now, but he's like a top five golfer the last couple of years, and he only ha- that's only his second major, and it's like what? as good as this guy is that he only has two is kind of incredible. Would you rather have? Kepka's career with four majors and like less than 10 total wins or DJ's. I think that was 24 wins and two majors. Majors. Brooks. You play for the big ones. Yeah. Brooks is, to be fair, Brooks is also what, 10 years younger than DJ? Maybe not 10, but like eight years younger. DJ's like 37. I'm going to, I'm going to get our statisticians on it. Hold on. You guys continue discussing. Uh, I'm going to get our statisticians to work. DJ is 36. I'm hearing in my ear. Um and Brooks is thirty. Okay, six years, but still six more years. Like that's a lot of wins that could happen in that amount of time. But it's like I feel like Dustin Johnson's like starting to literally hit the ground again. Like he's like, all right, I figured it out. He's got yeah, twenty he, plus. He's got twenty plus wins, and he's been world number one more than probably anyone in the current era, or pretty close. Maybe Rory. I mean, behind. Tiger. I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? Obviously behind Tiger. What, what are we talking about right now? <laughs> yeah. out. Can we talk about Rory's, Rory's weekend too? Rory with the most incredible comeback of all time. It's a 75 on the card. And it was like, all right, that's enough. I thought the most incredible thing he did, I don't know, Ian, how much you were watching. I know Zach was watching. But on Friday, because of the rain delay, he had to finish round one, like early the morning Friday, finish up his 75 that he shot. Swing looked horrible. Like, I was literally like, oh, my God, like, Rory's broken. And then he comes out. What did he shoot round two? Like a 66, I think? I think so, yeah. He just comes right out and just, like, fires off birdies. It's like the 20 minutes on the range fix that that quick for you? One, the part three, I thought 16 when he double-crossed. He tried to and then drew it into the water. He's like, yeah, so bad. I think that was, like, the last worst shot he hit of the weekend. Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, Rory's going a little roll here, kind of joking. He had like three birdies in a row. And I was, I looked, next time I looked, I'm like, holy shit, he's climbing. He tied for fifth. It's it must have, been because, must have been because Dom was like, ah, oh, when, when's Rory going to win again? Just yeah. yeah. He said it's he like, had- I feel like I never hear anything about him. When he said that, I was like, I feel like Rory's always like there on Sunday in majors. Like he's right. always, I see his name. Yeah. I mean, the top 10 again with JT, Rory, Brooks, DJ. Plus, Cameron Smith and was it J M M yeah dude that dude's swing gives me like anxiety the slow backswing like he chips like that too yeah. it's terrifying if I did that I would literally hit the ball for Hosel every single time this episode's gonna be way too long we gotta get the people out of here don't well, what they need to do I expect to talk get all times get screen times and tell them what they need to do like subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe when I say parse you say rum 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 that'll be sure. Uh, I got five hours, 52 minutes. That has to be a shirt. Obviously, when I say parse, you say rum? Yes. Five hours, 52 minutes, uh, two, hour, two hours, 
Two one hours minutes. and one minute. We're on my fantasy football app. I went zero and three this week, so <laughs> not good, not good at all. Zach, what do you got? Five fifty-one. One minute less than Dakota. No, I five. Jeez, Zach. You said you had five fifty-two, right? I thought I had five. Yeah, was it fifty-two? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is fifty-two. Ah, nuts. Woke up from three to five in the morning. Didn't put my phone down. What was your number? Six thirty-seven. Thanks for coming out. Zach's always got an excuse when he's worse. New officer coming out when I say parse, you say rum. Parse. Rum. rum. Hey, hey, Mr. Obvious Shirt, we'll get those printed out tomorrow. Yeah, Zach's running the printing, printing press tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. I got it. Yep. It's in my ear. Yeah, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We need likes, subscribes, unsubscribes, resubscribes. I want the compound back in the top 100 of sports podcasts, and I want it this week. Remember we were number 20 something one time? That was uh, the Compound Podcast presented by Parse Rum. What episode number was it? What episode number? Rum. Episode 38. 38. Rum. (laughs) Planet Tree. Parse. Rum. Rum.